Welcome back to Art Smack. We're back. We exist. We're real. Do you guys miss us or no? <laughs> oh, you do you do i mean i got a couple dms from people like dude yeah i know i did where's too. the show i i was like i made an i made an instagram live that said I, we're taking a break and so many people kept dming us going where's the smack where's the smack? where's the smack <laughs> well we are back guys i'm your host matt i'm here with as jerry always, jerry What's going on? How have we been? It's been two long weeks, which is like not that long, but it feels like a long time. I know. Well, a lot. Actually, it has felt very long for me. Um, things are good. Things are good. There's so much happening in the art world. It's a huge month. Yes. We have so much to get through on this episode. So yeah. why don't we just jump right in? Yeah. Welcome back to Arts Back. Okay, I need to address this immediately because it is something I read and the blood in my body just started to boil in rage. Okay. It, it involves someone that I would describe as one of the most contemptible contemporary artists that I've ever come across. <laughs> and um, you might know where I'm going with this, you might not, but I have to say Alex Israel mm -hmm. is one of the most bothersome artists that I've ever met and seen work and experience. And I'm not afraid that, to- Don't say that to some people in LA. <laughs> I, take- Or people in Miami. <laughs> take the glasses off. Take the sunglasses off. Put them in the case and in your Maserati or whatever, take them off. You know what? What is this? He's like thinks he's like David Bowie or something like in the seventies with this like style. I don't know. The David Bowie wear sunglasses? Who knows? One of those guys who used to wear sunglasses inside. It bothers me. It bothers me, and it it would it would bother me less if the work was like some sort of level that I deemed acceptable. But okay, why am I saying about Alex Israel? You digress. I digress. No, no offense to Alex. Actually, all the offense. Okay, Alex had a show. Uh, recently, and for the press release, he, by some reason, for some reason, decided to use Chat GPT to write the press release. So he purely yeah. phoned in the press release. Yeah, Chat GPT. Golf, golf claps to him because congrats. The media—he's he, the first person to do that. What a trailblazer! The media was like, "Wow, oh my Alex, God. <laughs> what right. a genius!" Designboom.com: A well-written exhibition press release by Chat GPT. Alex Israel made it happen. Um, did did Alex Israel make it happen? No. Uh, Sam Altman and the programmer in ChatGPT yeah. really put that together. Um, this is one of the first, I think, mainstream uses of ChatGPT in contemporary art, would you say? I'm trying to think of no, like- this is the first probably mainstream admittance of using chat gpt so shameless like but like also but it's so gimmicky like who like who cares nice trick like who gives honestly who gives a flying fuck who it, and their mother at this point i have taught my mother how to use chat gpt who has not used chat gpt what for, does she do with it i told her how to write a business plan using chat gpt 
I gotta be honest, this is a digression too, but I use chat GPT every day. Yeah. And I use it as a, I don't let it do my work for me, but when it comes to thing like proofreading or giving me a structure, I use it all the time. It's like one of my bookmarked pages on my website. I mean, are you using it daily-ish? I use it every single day. Yeah. I mean- And I, I will be using it in business school to be doing my <laughs> math homework. <laughs> so back to Alex, though, with this press release, I think I wanted to ask you, do you think that uh, press releases, maybe they'll be benefited by having someone else fucking write them? Maybe they'll be- less painful but the machines have probably learned have had bad teachers aka these bad these like terrible mfas that have been writing terrible art press releases for the last however many years and now that's what the machines have learned is a art press release i don't know i don't know either all i know is that alex has said uh Describe this exhibition as an opportunity not to be missed. Oh. Let me tell you what. Gonna... I'll tell you what, Jerry. Yeah. I'm going to be missing that opportunity. Yeah. There, wait, I'm going to say something. Fuck's sakes. Wait, oh, no, no, I have to say something about chat GPT. There are some like turns of phrase that. It uses, it uses yeah. that I'm like, it, it definitely uses like Gen X, like <laughs> it lingo. Was coded, no, because it was coded by millennials, but yeah, maybe some Gen it's, X people. There's like heavy Gen X shit in there sometimes <laughs> where like, I'm like, write me this thing, you know, whatever. And it'll like, write me this thing where I'm like, oh my God, that's so cringy. I have to like, take out like. And and furthermore, let's get straight to the point. Like it'll like it'll like word things in a really corny way that would have been really, you know, like Barbara Walters 60 minutes like in like 1998 or something, but it, I I don't know. What other we'll wrap up with this cuz we spent too much time on this. But what other applications of ChatGPT that you could see used in the art world. ChatGPT specifically. I'm not talking about AI and you know mid-journey and these other types of image generators, but like ChatGPT. I asked I I asked ChatGPT the other day um what what kind of businesses um are missing from the art world that would be useful. Really? Yeah. What did it say? It said that because the art world lacks so much transparency. What? <laughs> it literally said this. The hell are you talking? Of, of, an an art an art some kind of art regulatory business that was like kind of like a like an open stock exchange that like showed like the value of what right. artworks were worth and actually bought and sold for. Fair enough. With transparency would be a valuable like instrument for the art world. Thank you, ChatGPT. <laughs>
Well, I was like, it's not going to happen, bro. <laughs> yeah, like, dude, we'll get right on that. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back in a few years once that product's created. Thank I you. was like, yeah, when human beings aren't corrupt, greedy, lying motherfuckers. Yeah. Jerry, yeah. as, we, as we teased at the top of our intro or our podcast this week, May is a busy month. Oh, my God. May in the art world is probably the biggest time for New York, for sure. I know. I'm planning all my outfits, all my looks. All right. So run down the list of what events, and I know you got one that you want to share with people. Save that oh, one yeah. for last. But what's going on in the like art world scene this month well it's I, may 7th by the way wait people. Well, what who is that guy from um saturday night live who'd be like stefan stefan <laughs> okay right. i want to i want to do this i'm gonna I rephrase this? the question yeah jerry please tell the audience what's happening in the art world this month in the style of stefan from snl go okay so okay i have my hands on my face There's this place. It looks like a 90s shopping mall. And there's going to be, like, construction. And it's going to look like, like empty white walls. Like, almost like tons of little mini art galleries. And there's going to be the overpriced, crazy, even wet paintings. They're going to be hung all over the wall. And people are just going to be telling lies, stories, and making up crazy prices. And people are going to be clamoring and waiting in line for it. And everybody's going to be eating it. And it's going to be so crazy. People will be pushing each other just to get to the front of it. And then they're going to be calling it breeze, even though I think it's going to be really sweaty that week. <laughs> New York's hottest club is... New York's hottest club is going to be called Breeze. That's going to be 11 a.m. on, I think it's a Thursday this coming. Wait, what day is it? I think it's Thursday. It's a Thursday, mm -hmm. I 11 a.m. Okay, so that's Stefan's other one. And then, thank you. The other. Actually, wait, wait, wait resummarize re that because maybe some people miss it. So it is. Freeze. <laughs> Freeze Art Fair in New York. At, it's got everything. <laughs> yeah, it's got everything. Abor um, Aborigines doing interpretive dance. <laughs> we'll cut this. <laughs> Paintings by children who are way too young selling for prices that are way too high. Wait, let me do that. Let me... <laughs> Paintings by adult, but it looks like they've been done by children. <laughs> I think we. I think we got. It. Oh, yours, yours were funny. Okay. So, Jerry, Freeze New York's okay, going on. Okay, so this on. Freeze New York. Freeze is in how many places around the world now? Okay, so there's London, there's New York, there's uh, Seoul. Is that uh, it? And there's LA. 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 Four. There's no Hong Kong, right? Or no. Like Paris. No. It's just those. So there's just four the, locations. God, there's just those. Art Basel is... And then Art Basel is in Switzerland, Paris, Miami, Hong Kong. and Hong Kong. So there's four and four. So, so there's eight. I know. Who's, who's, who's going to get to five? Yeah, five. Shit. Free should probably do Paris, I would think. No. Or Art Basel, Los Angeles? 
Paris oh, for some breaking they, news. Art Paris, Basel, Los Angeles. Paris, no, they. I think they. They're going city for city. I. I don't think they can like. It's because infrastructure. They need. Yeah. It's like they need to piggyback off the investment. So what the would makes. the next big city be? Because like, clearly, like we just. I just went to Expo Chicago, which I wrote a report about, and Expo was. Like, okay, I think Chicago is an amazing city. Right. It's so beautiful. It's got incredible architecture. It's so clean. It is, like, insanely clean. Um, inc- the, like, the best public art. Like Chicago does. Chicago. Like, just, like... There's just... I mean, Kapoor is everywhere, right? In, There's, like, different beans throughout no. all the neighborhoods. But no, but like a, a huge Alexander Calder, like just, just, I'm just like really crazy public oh. art. Like my friend took me on this walking tour at night once. So just like all this stuff. And um, like there's a lot of Midwestern American collectors from the quote unquote flyover states. So it's not like there's people, you know, that don't care. But for some reason, great museums too. Sorry, just to add. Yeah, great. Yeah, world class museums. But there's just something that is just so in America that is just so unsexy about, about Chicago. Chicago. And I just, it was like, I don't think that anyone could like make it like cool. Yeah. And then like Atlanta, like I don't know. But why America, right? I, right, I think, exactly. I so, think but I'm thinking sense. American cities. I have one. So, I have a guess. I have a guess too. You go first. Well, I was I was just thinking other major American cities because De- Delta's ma- biggest hub is Atlanta. So I was thinking that could be, and you know, Atlanta has very rich history. Huh. Um, it's also like mini hollywood now you know like there's a lot of like movies being made there uh-huh. tv being made there there's a lot of you know art being made there i also had the privilege mm-hmm. of going there this last year um but again there's something like i don't know just it's just not it's, there's not a sexy vibe and so okay i think Amer- america wise i think we're tapped it's like la new york miami and like we don't want our Basel to do LA, right? No. Right. So that's you know, like where would it be? Yeah. No. 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 Free if no freeze can't even figure out where to it. put fucking L- L- freeze. Oh, I got it. LA. I know where. Where? New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey. Well, there's some <laughs> rich people in New Jersey. All right, coming to you in 2025. Okay, our Basel, so New Jersey. I, I have an idea for where an a a really mm-hmm. amazing. Art fair could be Milan. Yeah. So I think Freeze Milan is, it sounds sexy. That sounds very good. And let me just say, you already know this, and I'm going to sound like a jerk. I used to live in Milan for a couple of years. I know. And that's very sexy too. <laughs> <laughs> Milan is a small city, I would say. I mean, you could walk <clears throat> north to south, the metro center. In a few hours, like two hours, three hours. And it's a beautiful walk. <laughs> it's so nice. And the streets are gorgeous. Uh, they do have an art fair type there in the month of April every year called Salone de Mobile. And pre- forgive me if I pronounce it wrong or whatever. But it is their design art fair. And it's like, I'm not joking. 
I've, I've been a couple times. The hangar, the place that they have this event mm -hmm. is a mile long. Wow. I'm not kidding. Like it's literally a mile long. Wow. So it, it can really hold a lot of space. It's outside the city of Milan and there's mm -hmm. usually either a train, bus, rail is system. Is it near the Prada Foundation? Because that's the other thing. No, the Prada it's Foundation. even further out, but yeah. The Prada Foundation's in Milan, which is like amazing. The last fucking supper's in Milan. I mean, I think Milan. Whoever hits Milan, because that's where Fashion Week is in Milan, like that that is such a desirable, beautiful, incredible Gorgeous. city. Like chic and effortless, effortlessly yeah. chic. Every single street design, it's it's really cool. And you know why I think place. it's so nice? It's human size. Tiny. It's like you you can get to places. It's not like Venice, oh my God, where you can't breathe with tourists. They have a tram system, you know, that spreads and, and a subway system, by the way. Yeah, it's like Smaller Basel. One. It has it has ability for public transportation. But also everything is walkable. I mean, if you put on the right, you're on running sneakers and you can hop across. <laughs> I think I totally can see that working. That's a great call. Okay. Well, Freeze, uh, you're welcome for the idea. Call us. Let's get some resids. We want some resids <laughs> for that idea. I was going to say Mexico City. Oh, but there's Onamaka. Right. And that has proven that you can have really successful cool art fair down there. And I just don't know what the, you know, the, the appetite is for that those price points, that level of you know, stuff. Milan also, just to, to recap that quickly, like when I live there and then what I've heard from Christie's people after and then what I hear today is that the local market for art collecting in Italy is not that strong. So right. I don't know if that has a deterrence for whether people want to set up shop there. There's not tons of collect. It's kind of like the LA thing, right? People know who the collectors are in Italy um, and they're not growing fast yeah. in fact they're dying like most of it <laughs> anyway we just digressed for like 10 minutes we wanted to talk about what's going on in may yeah so okay. that's freeze freeze so there's freeze wow we digressed but whatever we're that's back what baby that's what you're here for guys this is gonna be a long podcast Fuck um it. we have a lot to say fire it up um <clears throat> anyway there's also tafaf which is uh happens to be one of my favorite i it's Jerry Gagosian's favorite art So fair. I've never been. Please oh tell me like what it is. <laughs> it's history, the vibes. <laughs> is it pronounced? Firstly, it's pronounced TAFAF. It's, right? the, it's like T-E-F-A-F. I don't even know what it stands for. Like the European Fair of Art. Of, go fuck yourself. Uh, uh, go fuck off. <laughs> yeah. It's, let me check your, they check credit scores at uh, the door. They might, they should have a TAFAF in St. Bart's. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. They should have Tafaf St. Bart because they also have Tafaf Maastricht or whatever, which is yeah. like, I don't know. Where's Maastricht? Maastricht, I think it's in Europe. Yeah. Western Europe. But, um, shouldn't Mischief, the art collective, have that ATM piece from our Basel in front of Tafaf that it's like the scanner, though? It's like at the airport when the guy yeah. checks your passport, except this time it's a it's a mischief machine that if you don't have a certain amount in your checking account, yeah, you're you can't buzz, come you're in. bounce the fuck out of there like a yeah. nightclub. <laughs> See ya. You don't have a certain amount in your credit. No, I think it's like credit score, tax, like your where tax you're, where you fall in the tax in the tax bracket. Right. Like what you're exactly like. There should be like a certain requirement just to get in. Um, I certainly don't belong there. Um, so <laughs> but it's so fun to go. So TAFAF will open May twelfth. Um, 
the VIP, I think, is at also 11. I love how they always make it at 11. Maastricht's in Netherlands, by the way. I just wanted to oh, okay. clarify that. Thank you. I, I, I had no idea. I just know there was a crazy crime that happened there when, and somebody stole a jewel last yeah, there year. Was Do you remember a theft that? There. there was a jewel theft, literally. Like, I, like walked out with it. The sky. Our highways are robbery. Robbery. Yeah. That, okay. Gunpoint. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> oh my God. Tayfaf, shit the goes video down. Is, is un- it was so unbelievable. It looked like a joke. Like, like, I think the man was wearing like a striped shirt. It looked like a cartoon. Uh, anyway. So Tayfaf in New York will be held on the 12th, I think. Mm-hmm. Or no, the VIP is the 11th, baby. That's, that's when I'm going. And it's at Ew. the Park Avenue Armory, which is gorgeous. Yeah, it's a nice space. Okay, so it does not feel like you're in like these giant, obnoxious convention centers. It's be- it's a beautiful space with like all this history, and there's like mahogany wood, and like the the building itself is incredibly beautiful and there's like beautiful chandeliers and the hallways are beautiful as you mm-hmm. walk through them and what everybody who goes to the VIP on Wednesday knows about it is it is famous for its free oysters and champagne you've been going Ru- hard. ruin art you've been going hard on the memes this week about it <laughs> i think it's good for you to unpack like because explain where it comes from like every because like okay i yes people definitely go it's getting more the art is becoming more contemporary but it definitely was not like always like a contemporary art fair it and i think it still is like a lot of old masters people sell like old masters People sell like artifacts there. I've seen people selling like asteroid pieces. <laughs> like people sell like really expensive design objects. Like Could I just share, like I'm going through the exhibitor list. Yeah. You see some very familiar names like like Gagosian's here, Lehman Maupin, um uh Massimo de Carla, but then you get like this is where like Mnuchin gallery shows. Friedman Benda, a bunch of design mm-hmm. companies, Ben Brown from from London, Edward Tyler Nahem. R and company, so big design project. Yeah. So it seems like again, I've never been, and I should probably know this. I'm sorry. I always thought it was more of like a furniture kind of thing or design, but you can see it like Almin Rock is there, Thaddeus Ropak. It kind of wasn't like that before. It wasn't like when I first started going. It was more like, I swear it was like, I remember seeing a lot of like pre-modernist paintings and like (laughs) a lot of old people go to this like and when i say old sorry i'm being ageist um it's like definitely a 65 plus event Mm -hmm. um (laughs) it's 65 plus crowd yeah um that's fun it yeah like the plastic surgery is out of this world like the birkin bags like all the hermes it's like you will never <laughs> see more hermes in one place than you will at a tefa uh op- vip opening <laughs> um like just the oh and the sugar babies the sugar babies with their sugar daddies like age gap relationships, you will see a lot of those at the VIP openings. 
Um, you will see a lot of um, like collectors of deep obscurities, like who are like there for like I like I said, like a piece of a specific asteroid that right, they knew fell like, like in landed in 1974. Like and, you're not going to get this reference, but like Thanos from Marvel, they're collecting like infinity stones from TFAF. Yeah. It, yes. Nod sure. your head. Like, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But it's so it, it, it's got that, or it always had that vibe, but you're right. I did look at the exhibitor list this year and I was like, wow, it, it it's changing. It's becoming more like, just another fair. Okay, this is what I want to get to about TFAF. And I don't take this question lightly. Why do we need this? Why does this exist? I mean, uh, truly, I, I, I think don't this is, this is a higher price point fair. Than Freeze? Yes. There's yeah, something that exists? I mean, Freeze? Of course. Just yes. depending on, I mean, maybe I'm, again, I'm being naive. Like, a lot of these art, these galleries are the same ones that show at Freeze and Basel. A lot. And there's nothing that impedes these other more specialized, like design-ish, maybe object-based things for participating in Bob. I'm sure they'd love to have them. Uh, no offense to Tefat, but I'm just like, what? Okay, this no, seems no, like no. very first of all, First of all, no. But there, there's Design Miami, which is a separate fair. But then there's Salon de Mobile, which we talked about earlier but in Milan. Freeze, Freeze does not have a Design Miami. So my, every Art Basel, they're... they're co-sister is Design Miami. Design Miami happens in Switzerland just like Art Basel happens in Miami. Does, does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It does. Freeze does not have that. Freeze is only fine art. Quote, unquote, fine art. And there's uh, a delineation that is made in America about the difference between right. somehow fine art and design, which is just bullshit. Right. Anyway. So, um, TAFAF, there's, yeah, there's design stuff. Mm -hmm. And I would say that it is Upper East Side. Yeah. Like, r really rich, old, little old people who want to walk, like, for, no, they, they don't, let's be real. They signal to, with their pinky to Winston to pull the Rolls Royce up, <laughs> to drive them two blocks, to literally w walk out and like splash out, you uh, know, some four or five, six million dollars and then go back to their Park Avenue. I think you're right. House. Like these gallery names I'm looking, a lot of them are concentrated in the Upper East. You know what else I think it is? And this is just me like speculating. All right, so the sponsors. TAFAF is sponsored by Bank of America. I almost feel like I don't know Bank. I don't know the history of TAFAF, so I'm talking out of my ass. But it's like UBS got Basel. Bank of America is very heavily invested in the art world and being present in it. From they have like a team at Bank of America called Art Services, and they have art lending, and they do all types of stuff in the art world. And they're a sponsor of TAFAF, and I wonder if like they're pushing it too, just to have like that presence. They need their own fair. Yeah, probably. And because UBS obviously has Art Basel. I don't know. 
It just, I was looking at these rosters and naively, I just saw a bunch of names and I'm like, are these people also going to be at freeze? Like, what is this thing? It's a week this earlier. This is a more like, bes- it's a more intimate, bespoke experience. Honestly, um, well, I don't, what's, what are the days, the day differences? 12th through 16th. And then I think and freeze, what is freeze is maybe freeze New York is May 17th through 21st. So it's like yeah. pre-freeze. So you're very likely to see like Mark Glimcher. Like there with a booth, a, a booth of de buffet, like yeah. and then and then literally sounds awful. You know what they did one year? They had some. They had like a, a man in a de buffet costume walking around at Tefaf. At Tefaf, dude, we got to reset. Jesus no. Christ! But that, I mean that that is and the people that were there are like they love it. And then there's just like carts of carts of moving oysters that people are shucking for you and handing (laughs) you champagne and everyone is so shit-faced drunk out of their mind and overeaten and overdrank and overspent and overspent by the end of the day it is so unbelievable and you you want to stay all day like i remember the first okay here's here's another funny story the first time that i went to Tefaf. I did not know what the Rubels looked like. Okay. Like I quickly for our audience, the Rubels. The Rubels are Miami royalty. Are not only Miami royalty, they're art world royalty in right. terms of collectors. They're Mira and Don. Mira and Don Rubel. They're like an art collecting couple that have been collecting for like 30, 40 years. Right. I don't know. They have know. a big presence and a foundation, I think, in Miami. Yes. Are they also in DC too or something? Maybe. But they just, they're very influential collectors and figures. Yes. Anyway. They're, they're quite old. But anyway, I didn't know what they looked like. I just knew their name because everybody knows their name. I didn't have no idea who they were. And so the first time I go, I took the subway, you know, all the way up to the Park Ave Armory. And the subway stop is like very deep. It's a very deep su- subway, like low in the earth. Yeah. So you got to take escalators. you have to take an e- right. uh, no, not an escalator, an elevator uh-huh. all the way back up. So I get really? into this elevator, and I see this is a long, a long time ago, and I see this woman and this man that I'm and I'm I see them and they're holding this little catalog that had. Catherine Bradford. It was like a Catherine Bradford like catalog. And this is when like Catherine Bradford was like just sort of Canada was like newly like just starting to show her. And I really stan Catherine Bradford. I love her work so, so much. So does Canada. Canada Gallery does too. <laughs> the good thing about Canada. Shout out to Canada. They don't ever not show her anywhere they go. Yeah. They just they fucking they walk around with her work. In their but her arms. work is really great. It's great. But come on, Canada. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm going at people today. I don't give a you, fuck anymore. You are. It's Sorry. fine. It's been two weeks. You have a lot to say. I'm not very so pent up. I'm drawing the story out too long. But anyway, I was in the elevator and I looked down. I did not know I was in the elevator with the Rubels. And this is before Catherine Bradford was like famous. And I said, I looked at the at the catalog and I said, is that Catherine Bradford that you have there in your hand? I said, that is an amazing painter. Mm-hmm. 
And this woman just looked at me and she goes, I totally agree with you. She's really great, isn't she? And then we just smiled at each other and that was the end of it. And we both walked. She was with Don. They they went into TAFAP. Mm-hmm. I went in. And then my girlfriend at the fair was like, let me introduce you to the Rubels. And I was like, oh, I'm going to finally meet like the art world royalty Legends, couple right. of, you know, like the universe. And I was and she introduces me to them and we smile at each other because we're like, yeah, we just met in the we, we just met in the elevator. That was our that was my meeting the Rubels story. But you know what? To be honest with you. It was so long ago and so probably inconsequential that I've re-met Mira like three more times and she never remembers me. Like, uh, you. Every single time she's like, Hilda. oh yes, dear, very nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tefaf, so should people go to Tefaf? Yeah, it, I think it's a lovely experience. I think the lighting, they get the lighting right in Tefaf. It's like, lighting, right? they do. It's not, it's like, it's not this like neon light, like overhead, like shopping mall experience. It's like dark in there. And then like the artworks are lit. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like calming. Yeah. I've been in there for other art fairs. I think it's Armory or something. Okay. Yeah. I know that space. It's it's a nice, it's yeah. kind of small. It's like mm-hmm. intimate. Yeah. It's very ornate. I remember the outside. It's it looks like, like a church old or New York something. or something. It's yeah. it's a cool space. Okay, so go to Tefaf. Yeah. Okay, so we went through Freeze. We went through Tefaf. The other big thing that's happening in New York is it's auction season, baby. Ooh la la. It's kind of boring at this point, honestly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I we'll be watching, but yeah. Are you gonna do a live stream of it? I don't know. Or maybe I should go to one if I have time. I could text some people. Or you and I can go together. You want to go to a Christie's auction? No, I'm banned from that place. Anyway. Um, <laughs> okay, so, well, maybe I'll go. And if I do, I'll live stream from it. I don't want to spend too much time on auctions because to tell you the truth, it's very like hamster wheelish at this point. We know it's going to be is great. There, is there anything? What is like not a surprise, do you feel? And what is a surprise? Well, I was going through the names. For a lot of our audience, they don't listen and read everything we do. So I feel like I just want to level set first. What we're talking about here is Christie's and Sotheby's host their biggest auctions of the year, arguably at this time in May and in the New York locations. They usually sell works of 20th century Titans and 21st century up and comers, but you know, blue chip as it comes. And this is where they do both auction houses. A, a huge portion of their yearly auction sales take place in these two weeks. So it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I wanted to do, I looked at like the 21st century evening sales for both Christie's and Sotheby's, which is like the young painters. And we did an episode a few weeks ago where we looked at the names that have popped up in London in the recent auctions there versus the year prior or the season prior. And like they had rotated and changed a lot. Mm-hmm. So it seems like people are <laughs> cycling through. You know, and it, like that kind of pattern, like held again. I mean, Lou Fertino's here a lot. Um, Louise Bonnet is here again. Danielle McKinney is someone I don't recall being in there again. But honestly, I would say I'm looking at Christie's 21st Century, and it's not that wet and hot. Really, it's a lot of you know, 
in this, the top couple sales, Robin F. Williams, Lou Fertino, Simone Lee, Cecily Brown, Basquiat. Who would via, ever sell their Cecily Brown? Via Selman's, Kusama, Kruger. Cecily Brown, I would keep it forever. <laughs> like usually they do this way more like wet hot. Yeah. You know, some 22-year-old like Anna Wyatt or something would be here. Yeah. I don't know. They're not here this time. So it could be a, a like a Well, Louis Fertino's not 30 yet. There's, he's got like three works in this sale. I don't know what's going on. Shout Which works Lou. are in the in the sale? Oh, the ones that were sold at Hildy Gallery. <laughs> I'm kidding. Should we keep that in? <laughs> I mean, we, it, we were such a baby little gallery. Holy shit, it is. It is? Holy Which shit. One? Wait, Hildy Gallery Berlin? All right, folks, you're hearing this live. I just whipped up the Lou Fertino painting, and it's one that Hildy sold, I guess. Her mouth is like wide open, jaw dropped. This is the first. Why is it say you're in Berlin, though? Because it was painted in Berlin. Okay, the provenance of... Okay, so... <laughs> Holy shit! All right, we'll keep this in. Lou Fertino, Night Train at Christie's, lot number 27B in the 21st century sale. Louis Fertino, Night Train, Provenance Hildy Gallery. Oh my God. Estimate 120 grand to $180,000. You freaking out? Yeah. Do you remember selling that? Yeah. Do you remember what you sold it for? Yeah. Can you announce on the podcast what you sold it for? I don't think that the collector would like for He's me selling to it. What do you mean? Do you remember what year you sold it? Yes. What year did you sell it? So I think I sold it 2016. 2016. Or 2017, maybe. Here's another Lou Fertino. Just checking. I'd, wait, let me see. No, this is Terry Goldberg. Okay. Okay. I, I didn't see one. Okay, just to recap, because again, okay, wait. there's a lot of noise in the background there. So we wanted to talk about the auctions this season at Christie's Auction House. We were looking at some of the works of arts that were there. And one of them happened to be an artist that when Hildy was a gallerist in Los Angeles, she used to exhibit. So whenever his name, Louis Fertino, comes up, we're always like, oh, Lou Fertino. I remember, you know, remember, blah, blah. I went to one of the, the lots, lot 27B in Christie's 21st Century Evening Sale, and they always list the provenance where this painting was sold, which gallery sold it. And the provenance starts with Hildy Gallery. Which is Hildy's Gallery. Which is, first of all, it was not called Gal Hildy Galleries. It was called Hildy. Do but. your fucking research, Isabella, or whomever Christie's did but, this. Come um, on. They should put in parentheses, Jerry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, but so I have to say that my, like, it just takes my breath away because what is the estimate? The estimate is 120,000. Okay. Low estimate. And then the high estimate is 180,000. So I'm not going to say what I sold that painting for. It wasn't that, though. But it wasn't close to I that. I want to just say that in 2017, it was a different time. And back then, an emerging painting sold for between, we'll say, Five and tops fourteen thousand dollars. Tops, I mean, fucking top. It would have to be the future Mona Lisa for it to okay. be fourteen. So that person is 
made a very good investment off of a painting. So he, he, he was 2016. Yes. And, and actually, the price it's really funny because my old business partner texted me the other day. Wait, this is what he said. So, so, so I texted him something Artsy had posted artists with the most demand in 2023 so far. And the top listed one with ni- 92% is an artist that I used to show called Camilla Engstrom. Right. I gave her a solo show. Um, and he said, awesome, so stoked for Engstrom, so so stoked for Engstrom, and not Fratino, he said, w- with a drop coming down, dodged flipper FOMO. I begged my business partner, because we were poor, poor back then, to to co-buy one of Louis Fertino's paintings. And you did not. And he said he said, no, we need the money to keep the gallery open. So we sold them all. And okay. he he texted me and when when the thing about artists most in demand and Camilla Engstrom's name came up and he said, Wow, we really dodged the fl- the flipper FOMO for Louis Fertino. And I said the last thing I texted him is I said, I think that's still coming, to be honest. We will just brace ourselves for that. And then he sent me a gif of Selena Gomez crying. And guess what today is? Today is the day that... Flipping Lou, baby. He, he's going to have Louis Rettino flipping FOMO. <laughs> LF, F. F syndrome. <laughs> I mean, they, this is the golden rule that they, you know, tell every e- emerging art dealer, like, if, buy one work from every artist that you ever show. Right. Because it's gambling in a way, but it will probably, out of everything, you're probably going to get lucky. Right. A lot of the artists that I used to show have all gone on to become ex- extre- extremely successful now. So is that a humble I brag? A little bit of humble brag? No, it's co- it's idiot brag. <laughs> I have I, I have this feeling regularly where I'm like, wait, your paintings are worth how much now? I know, and then I'm like, dude. I want to like go like th- put throw myself into a lake and <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, so yes, I'm very happy for the person that invested so wisely in that Louis Fertino night train painting is what I'm saying. Congrats. Congrats. So before we turn the page on auctions really quickly, this season is not exactly without controversy. Pray tell, pray tell. Do you know the story about a jewelry collection that Christie's is selling from a woman named Heidi Horton. Have you heard about this? Heidi sounds like Hildy, but she sounds guilty. What did she do? She didn't Tell do anything. Okay, we're not going to spend too much time on it because the details are still being worked out and it's a live grenade at this point. Okay. So Christie's announced this big collection of jewelry that they're going to sell, potentially the biggest collection of jewelry sold at one time in history. Oh, it's whoa. big okay. stuff. It's by a woman named Heidi Horton who died a few years ago. 
So Heidi inherited a significant amount of money from her husband who passed away a decade or more prior, Helmut, uh, who was like a big retail uh, shopping department store, Zion, who made like billions. So Heidi inherited this collection and then had a career of collecting and being a socialite. And then she passed away a few years ago and they're selling this big collection of jewels. That's not the interesting part. The interesting part is where Helmut got his wealth from, which is the main topic of all the newspaper articles, including places like New York Times and Bloomberg and our favorite, the most premier magazine newspaper in the world, the New York Post. Mm, Um, That's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Helmut was a Nazi. Pretty verified. Was a Mm -hmm. member of the Nazi party, was a businessman during that time, 1930s, Mm -hmm. events 1940s into the war. And there was this idea called Aryanization, where Mm -hmm. Jews were effectively forced to sell businesses to Germans, to Aryans, et cetera. And Elmut was one of the people who was involved in this this practice, effectively. So the long story short is that someone flagged this very publicly, another collector that was like, hey, has anyone looked into Helmut and how Heidi accumulated this wealth? What's the background there? Christie's was asked for comment. Uh, they initially kept that story hidden uh, mm-hmm. about the sale mm-hmm. of the jewelry, but they knew about it. They came out and said, we knew about it when we were planning the sale. But uh, they ended up, you know, they they now have put in a whole bunch of stuff about it. They're giving a part of their revenue to charity. And also I think Heidi's foundation, it's all going to, to charity, the sale of these jewels, which could be like over $200 million, which is not insignificant. So- Okay. Big story. I mean, there are even some Jewish societies and organizations now that are saying like, uh, no, don't sell it at all. Like, don't let these properties go out to people and belong to, you know, some collectors, some jewelers around the world. So where should it go then? I mean, where are people suggesting it go? I don't know. It's not like, I think I want to be very clear is that Elmet didn't take these jewels from Jewish people in the 1930s. These were jewels that were collected by Heidi and maybe him later in life with the wealth that had accumulated and compounded from transactions that took place in the 1930s Nazi Germany. Right. So it's not like these jewels were heirlooms. It's not a restitution case. No, it's so complicated. It is. That's why I just wanted to hit on it because it is a big story. I I was, and I've written about this as well. Hint, hint. Second time, I guess you need to subscribe to the Jerry Report. Are you a writer? on gagosian.com um but i was when i went to my first basel in switzerland or no no maybe it wasn't my first was it was my it was my second but it was when i was with like my fairy i call her my fairy god sister now she knows everyone and everything in every who walks in basel she knows everyone and she's she's not like a vindictively gossipy person. She's she's a very matter of fact, like mm-hmm. and gra- gracious person, and about how she sort of states what and who someone is. And we're sitting there, and she's like, "Do you see that stately, broad-shouldered?" Yet very old man with the wide-brimmed hat. and He's got that bright, athletic, 
blonde, younger-looking wife, but she's quite elegant, and they don't look too much of an age difference. And I was like, yes, I see that. She's like, with the good Birkin? Yes, I see that. <laughs> the good Birkin. Because <laughs> this person happens to be a specialist. There's levels to this Birkin shit at that. There, at that, there is. At that event? Yeah, yes. there's levels. There's le- Jesus the, the Christ. The Togo leather is like, mm-mm. Okay, anyway. So I'm like, I'm like, yes, I see. She's like, yes, he's one of, you know, Switzerland's biggest art collectors. I'm like, oh, that that's wonderful. That's great. She's like, yes, he got so much money being a Nazi. <laughs> and I'm like, what? He's like, yes, but he feels guilt about it now. And he, she, he feels as though... Being an art collector is his way of making restitution. And I'm like, but she's saying it like in this Mary Poppins, like <laughs> European way. And actually, if anybody watched Succe- Succession like last week and Kendall's like trying to make up for like when um, the Swede makes the Nazi joke. And oh, yeah. And he's like, he's just very European. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I feel like the, she was just being very European because I'm like, you're t- so you're telling me that he's a Nazi and that he's just making up for it by buying art and he's just walking around free. Like, like, I feel like in, in America, people would be like throwing eggs on him if walking down the street and right. like he'd be booed, you know, <laughs> but he's like walking around and people are like, hello, you know, I don't know, helmets, Helmet. you know? <laughs> <laughs> so a, a member of the Austrian restitution panel, which has, you know, a lot of sway in this arena about Nazi confiscated art and dealings, et cetera. He was quoted in the New York Times article. He would have liked to have seen Christie's have more transparency in their marketing about this property. I don't think anyone, at least I wouldn't, and I don't know if you would argue that Christie's can't sell these objects particularly if it's going to charity. And also, it's they weren't directly looted objects. I don't think that's controversial to say, regardless. But he would have liked to see Christie's lead with, you know, please note the history of these of these properties, of this story. Um, none of that was initially mentioned, quote, uh, in the beginning. Uh, you can say that the jewelry itself is not looted, this gentleman said, but the money is connected with the Nazi past, and this should have been reflected in the biographies. Mm. Guillaume Cerruti, my old boss, this chief executive at Christie's said, quote, it was never Christie's intention to hide information about the well, this is the keyword, about the well-documented history of Mr. Horton. So effectively, they thought that people would just be able to find it on their own, but they didn't want to taint their sale. And they're donating a portion of actual Christie's commission on this sale to charity. <laughs> I wonder if they were doing that before all this came out. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. So- I wonder how many times this has happened in the past, oh, and it just nobody, ha, nobody has has everyone's just. Failed I mean, they to sold forget. shit by the Sacklers like all day, left yeah. and right. I think. I mean, I, the the one Sackler public one that they sold, like it didn't have. She wasn't like flipping opioids. Like she was just a, a, an ant or something off in the distance. She wasn't working at Purdue. Mm-hmm. But there was definitely conversations in there about whether they should sell that stuff, whether they should hide her name. You know, really, that's tip of the iceberg shit. I bet they're moving property by people that yeah. you don't want to know. Anyway. No, I no, we we know. Yeah, I mean, I I've heard that. I mean, this would be 
God, I wish that I'm I mean, there there is the multiverse, right? So in some universe, this is happening. Like I could split off into and be like many different characters. <laughs> but in one of those characters, I would split off into the multiverse and get it like fake my way and get a job like being like a manager inside of a free port right <laughs> but just as a spy like it's like all an espionage job just to see like what's really going on because i spoke to somebody recently who told me who like does store work inside free ports and they were telling me that there first of all there are art there is art and objects that once they are purchased, never see the light of day. And there is a lot of trading, yeah. buying and selling within free ports. Like, because it, there, there's, it's criminals. Well, it's tax-free transactions. And so. it's, yeah, but That's also it's thing. criminals who like can't publicly sell things right. because they are really, really bad people. But those objects, if they're in a storage container or like in a segment, they don't actually physically move. It's just no. the database reflects the new ownership, exactly. et cetera. Exactly. Right? And the wealth, you know, on paper transfers. It's so interesting. Yeah. That's why people I think I'm going to write about, we have to write about this, this whole idea of like the art world in popular culture is like always the people lead with it being like a scam, like a tax thing. Like even go to YouTube comments and stuff, people are like, art is just like tax fraud. It's like art is just money laundering in public. Like that that idea is so ingrained in people's consciousnesses yeah. in pop culture and movies and TV. It's like never when there's like an art or free port, it's never like, oh, this is cool. This is fun. It's always like some shady shit is going down. You notice that? Always. Yeah. That's how they treat art, whether it's like uncut gems or uh, what was the Christopher Nolan movie, Tenet, that you didn't see? Like it takes place in a free port and there's yeah. a whole bunch of illegal shit happening in there. It's just that's that's the the brand. Anyway, I digress again, once again. But I mean, stop lying. <laughs> <laughs> so we hit on auctions to go in reverse. We also hit on TFAF. Mm -hmm. TFAF, TFAF. I say TFAF, you say TFAF. Tomato, tomato. And we hit on freeze. Lastly, and most importantly, there's an event mm -hmm. that our dearly beloved Jerry Kogosian has been working on, mm -hmm. which many are calling, not just in this household, but around the world. They're calling it the Met Gala for the art world. Yes. Which, by the way, you also wrote about why the Met Gala, why they neglect artists. We'll get to that after this. Oh, so let yeah. me ask you, what project, how did you come to organize oh, the Met Gala of the art world? Okay, so I've been, I haven't, I haven't been talking about it because I've been really busy working on this. She but, really has. Um, yeah, this turned into a seven-day-a-week <laughs> seven job. So after interviewing Caleb Yono on our podcast, mm. right. which you can go back to, it's about three episodes back. Yeah, something like that. Um, I thought about Caleb's work and Caleb as a person. Caleb's a genderqueer artist in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. And I as as I do, like this is just typical Hildy behavior. I'm like, 
this is how this this is how the seed germinated, right? I'm I'm thinking to myself, how could somebody that talented, like, have not had, like, a shot yet? Like, how have they not been seen in New York? Like, how have they not been celebrated? Like, you know, whatever. So I've got that sort of thought bubbling in my brain. And then the standard asked me if I wanted to do a 20-person dinner. Standard hotel. The standard hotel. East Highland, West. West Village one. Highline. Meatpacking. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't know where this came from, but I said, yeah, a dinner would be great, but can I also throw a ball? (laughs) And they were like, yeah, maybe you'd, that would be, yeah, well, you know, I was like, give me a few days and I, let me, I have, let me, I have to. I'll pitch the I'll, price I, let me you. Let me pitch you on yeah. this, right? So that, so I like have this idea, right? And then I get introduced to Silvana Lagos, who is based in London and Sweden, and she's a curator and independent curator. And they had asked Silvana to do a series of talks. And... Silvana messaged me and was like, or on on Jerry, and had just said like, hey, I, I'm going to be doing some talks the standard. I heard you're doing a dinner. Maybe there's some like crossover mm-hmm. here or something. And I was like, let's, let's get on a phone call. This is like on a Sunday. We ended up talking for like two hours. We, we became best friends. <laughs> and I was like, I told Silvana all about Caleb. And I was like, we should throw Caleb a ball <laughs> and we should do a series of talks, a dinner and this ball at, in, at the boom, it's called. Boom, boom room. The boom room. At LeBain on the rooftop. Uh, yeah. Many, many Saturday afternoons were spent You're... at LeBain for a 22-year-old Matt Capasso. Ooh. A lot. I want Maybe to see pictures many. of that. Oh, man, they exist. You'll never really? see that. <laughs> was, was that when you were like wearing Supreme and stuff? Anyway, so continue. Yeah, okay. So. It was my cause era. Don't worry about it. Kidding. Where is that Not thing? Really. Um, so we, so, so, I, so Silvana looked at the work and Silvana was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And so then we went on a mission from hell. Like, I, the, you don't understand. I'm not going to get into the dollar amounts, but we raised tens of thousands of dollars for very generously from everyone from Phillips to uh, the auction house. Yeah, the auction house to you know private donors who have family members who are trans and gender queer to you know um, just. Uh, artists who mm. care and uh, support the galleries, tra- yeah. the trans and gender queer community and galleries. And all of a sudden it was just like 
growing. And all of a sudden, we were ra- we raised enough money to throw a ball. I spoke to my friend Chris Udemeze, who's used to be part of or, or is part of the House of Ladoja, uh, <laughs> and is very involved in the queer nightlife and trans nightlife community in New York. And, you know, I asked him to help curate the DJs Mm -hmm. and we wanted like, obviously we wanted it to be authentic and we wanted it to be supportive of the community. So it was like amazing because finally I got to work with my friend, Chris, who's an amazing artist, Chris Udemeze who I actually had on my old podcast back in the day. Oh, yeah. but, uh, but um, Jerry's AM radio. J-M- Jerry AM art radio. <laughs> um, but Chris curated the DJs. I'm not allowed to say who they all are yet because we, awesome have, lineup. we have an amazing lineup. Um, so, but the, the, it is a dress-up ball called Ethereal Thems, based on Caleb Yono's body of work, Ethereal Thems. And so everybody has to sort of channel whatever their Ethereal Them is, and that is open to interpretation. And I have a question quickly. Yeah. What do I wear? I don't know. Go in my closet and ask for permission. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, and but well, you know, like it's 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 really fun because it's like, you know, the the Met Gala, which just happened, and I just wrote an article for Elephant Magazine. We'll link it, in the which we can yeah. link to. Yeah, it's really good. Um, it's great. Really, thank yes. you. Um, just say that lightly. Although I like everything you write, but that was really funny, really cutting. But like they, I oh, I'm always like. It's it's devolving. The Met Gala is devolving. It used to the, there have been years where it was good, like really fucking mm-hmm. good. Like the Catholic Church year was very good. Oh yeah, like that was a, that, that was a good year. But like they couldn't do camp. Like they fucked camp up. Remember that year? Mm-hmm. Um, they like this year Carl Carl Lagerfeld like what a bad theme like I'm sorry like Carl Lagerfeld aka like like a slutty version of Chanel like I don't know he was running Chanel for a long time that's what I'm saying like he took like like demure like conservative Chanel R.I.P. Oh, whatever. I, I I don't care. Like, okay, yes, he he made beautiful dresses, and if somebody wanted to give me one, cool, great, I would wear <laughs> it. Like, I wouldn't say no, but like, it's like he's not a theme, and like neither was his cat, and his cat wasn't that pretty. My cats are pretty. But how did Jared Leto look dressed as the cat? Would you say that was pretty? <laughs> like a like what are they called? A furry. Like a furry. That was wild. I saw that and my eyes just rolled right into the back of my head and I cringe like Roman Roy into a fossil. Like But what about but what about um what's her name? Doja Cat dressed as like a weird humanoid. That was the year before, wasn't it? No. Oh my god, okay. Yeah. Anyway, it just was it wasn't enough to be a theme. Yeah. Like it's not good enough. And the thing is is that Anna Wintour and Vogue they do not enlist 
or invite artists to our ha- hallowed grounds. The Met, by the, the Met, way. The, the Metropolitan the fucking Museum Met. of Art. Out, it's, that's our fucking house, okay? They don't invite us. And so... Us specifically, like yeah, me and you. like me. And they do not invite me. Okay, so there's a word, and it's such an eye-rolly art school world word. It's such an eye-rolly art school word. But, you know, when in Rome, <laughs> when in art school. When potting. It's, um, the word is semiotics, right? Do you know what semiotics is? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm ignorant. Sorry. Semiotics. Often confused with the symbol itself, semiotics is the study of how certain symbols acquire their meaning, how they have come to represent information, and how the relationship between the meaning and the image affect the reception of this information. That's just, if you Google semiotics definition art. And then there's this very famous French theorist named Roland Barthes, who wrote a lot about... And he founded St. Barthes, you're saying. <laughs> that was him? Yes. He Got is St. Barthes. He is St. Barthes. After he invented semiotics, they named the island St. Barthes. Anyway, so all I'll say about Roland Barthes is he wrote a shitload about semiotics. And I was forced to read many essays about it and then regurgitate that into other essays that I would have to watch films and look at works of art and, you know, whatever, look look at pieces pieces of design. Mm. And I would have to write about the semiotics of that. Every single thing that we look at there's semiotics to it. So you know that Twitter page that you love or that Twitter feed that you love that is that guy that's constantly breaking down like the the differences between like... Oh, the cultural... Uh, oh, God. Yeah, the cultural guy. Let yeah. me shout him out because his page is really good. Twitter cultural tutor. The cultural tutor. So the cultural tutor, right? Great follow good follow on twitter he without saying it uh-huh. it everything he's talking about is semiotics he's teaching people about semiotics right. so he's saying you're looking at this thing but it's not just thing that you're looking right. at there's a history of where it came from there's a contemporary interpretation of it there's a future of where that thing that you're looking at is going. There's um, emotion that you personally have imbued in that thing. There's groupthink that is imbued in that thing. So there's like all these different sort of everything, like the semiotics of a chair. Like, I've literally read, like, one of my favorite, like, articles in a great art magazine my friends write, Autre, in Los Angeles, was, like, the semiotics of a chair, Mm -hmm. right? 
whole essay, like it was like a 10 page essay about <laughs> the chair. And I loved every fucking word of it, right? Because we, you can take something that you think is so simple and all of a sudden you're like, nothing is simple. Mm. There's so much meaning. Okay, so why am I talking about semiotics and talking about the Met Gala? When I look at the Met Gala recent, like of, of recent, the reason that I think that it keeps failing over and over again is because I don't think that they're inviting artists. They're only inviting celebrities who are surrounded by these camps of publicists who are you know care about you know engagement and their makeup artists and you know their stylists and their this and their that and the brand deal that they're yeah representing. and the brand deal that yeah. they're representing and and it's like they're not making their costume you know what i mean it's not it's not like a costume it's it's in in that sense like how often are they actually really wearing costumes Technically, like they're the Met Gala, they're supposed to be raising money for like the costume portion of the museum. They're mo a lot of times like you're kind of considered like a weird like Lady Gaga freak if you're wearing a costume. Yeah. Like you, most of the time, they're just it's everyone yeah. looking glamorous. Anne Hathaway just wore like a beautiful dress. Yeah. Looked great, by the way. Yeah. To be honest, but it was just like a dress. Yeah. You know? Exactly. They're Jared not Leto at least wore a furry. Outfit. Yeah. <laughs> But people are, aren't really wearing costumes, right? They're they're not like going up and over the top. And there's not again, so, so there but there's a semiotic to everything. So when you're looking at these people and you're looking at them and and they are supposed to represent something, right? And there's there's people, there's musicians that wa walk that red carpet. There's TikTokers. There's TikTokers. There's, you know, people from Instagram. There's like yeah. all these different things. Where are the artists? Where is the art world? Why are they not invited? There's movie stars. There's mm -hmm. it. But they do not invite the art world. And I think that is A, offensive because that is our house. Right. That is our house. And also, it they keep, again, they keep missing. And why do they keep missing? Because they're not inviting into the group the, like, people who whose job it is to think about the signs and the symbols mm -hmm. and where they come from semiotics. and where they're going, the semiotics right. of it. There's not, there's no semiotic ideology that is, like, sort of, clustered into the the costumes and so Anna Wintour in Vogue they're just like letting it, it slip like they're letting everything slip and it would be so sick if they let like artists come to the Met Gala like real real artists and you know what it would be even not like one or two like yeah, cohort. like invite a hundred, right, or fifty, or whatever. And you know what would be crazy, or or even like really, you know, like some like Emmanuel Periton, invite like art world figures, like mm. invite the art world, 
in these people that like think and then also like imagine like let artists invite Simone Lee who just won you know at Venice you know like invite people who like are leading culture with ideas in like of and who use visual language to communicate that Mm -hmm. like imagine what Simone Lee's costume would have been to the Met Gala and what that would have communicated like why I I just if I Anna Wintour is listening, which I'm sure she is. Why are they not inviting people who the the event is already highly publicized? So like we don't have to worry about like it being under publicized. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be publicized. So why not also invite artists? And the people who are putting into culture ideas and symbols and signs that communicate what contemporary culture is right now. Can I make a, a, a maybe an argument as to why and what's happening? Is something else I've heard in debate and discourses, and I don't necessarily agree with this, but it's been posited: is that art. And some of its highest forms now, and the creators of it are moving into film. And I don't say that like, yeah, like you know, Christopher Nolan's like the biggest artist in the world. And but there is something to that idea that cinema has become this big art form in a similar way that in the nineteenth century music was like the peak art form, and even painters and sculptors understood that and wrote about it. And there is this thing about how cinema now is becoming the dominant art form that's shaping culture as right. opposed to I, art. I'm just I'm throwing that out there as sure. I've read, read, read stupid think pieces that have discussed that. I I I wouldn't. Um, that's why there's so many actors and directors and people that show up. Sure, I I, I also tons of money in Hollywood. Right. I wouldn't um, agree or disagree with that necessarily. I have to think about that, right. but I would say no problem. I have no problem with that statement. But there is really no delineation. Everything is multidisciplinary or cross-disciplinary, totally. if you think about it. Amen. Yeah. And, like, my brother, who's a nurse, is also a musician. Right. And, like, my best friend, who's a ma- massage therapist, is also an artist and a dancer. Uh, you know, I am a... I am... Every I am a very multidisciplinary artist. You know, I, I it bleeds into everything that I do. A hyper multidisciplinary. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like so. I, I, it's just like I understand, but like give the art world at least a little piece of the pie. Right. Just a little one. Right. Because we do think about these things mm-hmm. and. And, and have I, something to say, really. And we have something to say. Yeah. yeah. So you wrote an article. So I wrote an article. We'll link to mm-hmm. it. It's 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 a quick read. It's a three. What's the title of it? It's like. Minutes. It's called The Art World Moves On While Fashion is Stuck in the Mud. That's the idea. It's a great read. We'll link it. So as a as a counterweight to the Met Gala and their failures, you were talking about how you're throwing your own. 
So you told us a story of how it's come together. Yeah. So, when did it take place? What are some things that are going to be happening? So, yeah. So Ethereal Femmes is going to be happening. Um, it is by invitation, I have to say, be because there is a size limit. <laughs> I mean, unless your costume is undeniably good. We'll wave you in. We'll wave you in at the door. But it's May 16th, and it's called Ethereal Femmes. It's in celebration of Caleb Yono. And we also raised money to give Caleb Yono a, an emerging art grant. Amazing. So um, congratulations also to Caleb for that. Uh, I got a very beautiful text from Caleb yesterday showing me the studio that they are going to be getting with the grant money that they it's received. Amazing. So I'm very happy for Caleb. The ball is ex expected to be amazing. The talks are going to be really great. Um, you're going to be giving one, one of the talks. Would I know. You like to, would you like to say anything about one of the talks that you're going to be giving? I am giving a talk. I am hosting a panel discussion with two world-class contemporary artists, Mr. Sanford Biggers and Shabalala Self. So I've um, been inundating myself and their work, their past interviews. I'm thrilled. I can't wait to join the stage with them and give a little talk about their perspectives on art, about the, the theme of the event, ethereal femmes and, you know, storytelling through objects. It's going to be great. I'm super excited. And then Caleb is also doing a talk at The Standard with Anna Benaroya. Mm -hmm. And it's called Art Between Freedom and Play. And that'll be at the East Village. And uh, we'll be sending out invitations to those two because unfortunately everything is space limited but the good thing is is that the talks are going to be filmed and so we will be able to share the talks on gagosian.com and or youtube so don't worry we share <laughs> <laughs> So we've got a we've got a lot. It's going. a busy month. Yeah, it's a busy month. And then listen to this shit. Fucking May ends, and then who's got to get their ass on a plane and fly to Switzerland? Oh, you do for the Aww. Super Bowl for the Super Bowl Aww. of the art world. No, no, no. You have to go to no, Swiss. Oh, no, wait, but oh. first, no, no. I'm playing the smallest stop, violin. Stop, stop. But before, before I do that. Guess who's got to get their ass on a plane and fly to Minneapolis and then drive eight hours to the top of North Dakota. Beautiful country. For my grandmother's 100th birthday. Just you, right? Hildy and Matt. Oh. Jerry and Matt. For Grandma Lolly's 100th birthday. Happy birthday to my grandmother. <laughs> Um, I do not know with her North Dakotan diet how she made it to 100 
But I guess the American diet of potatoes, meat, uh, frying everything. um, White bread. White bread. Drinking pop, as they call it. Soda. (laughs) Um, Eating lots of hot dish. Do you know what hot dish is? I can imagine. What is it? It's like, I don't know, like. It's like casserole, but it's just like they take like anything that's like canned oh. and then they throw cream of like mushroom. Oh, I just vomited in my mouth. Sup, do you know what, Jesus Christ. Do you know man. what cream of mushroom sauce is? I don't want to think about it. And then they mix that up together and then they put like crispy onions, you know, like those French onions. And then, and then they put like bags of cheese, you know, like the ch- like ch- like cheddar cheese or whatever. And then they just bake that. But it could be like beef. It could be chicken. It could be beef and chicken. What a combo. Pasta. But this is hot dish, right? So you eat a lot of hot dish. You eat a lot of cake and cookies in North Dakota. But you guys, if you want to live to be 100, I'm telling you the secret <laughs> of life. No, don't listen to Anthony Huberman. All this like, you know, don't fasting intermittently. No cold plunges in the morning. No cold plunge. Fuck that. Listen, you want to live to be 100, you do what Grandma Lolly did. You go to church, you mind your own business, you eat hot dish, you live to be 100. Busy couple of weeks. Jerry and I will be with you guys. We are back. Thank you for your patience. Those two weeks were I know. A I'm good sure you off. missed us. Why don't you... Because we're just going along with this episode, but no, tell us where were you last week? Okay. What was going on before we wrap up this episode? Yeah, I know. Actually, I want to share because right. I think that this information, if it, if I'd known about it before, mm-hmm. uh, I would have done it long before. And I think that it is more; it should be more readily available. So, I have had i i'm i'm gonna be this is this is hildy this is jerry gagosian's vulnerability hour right so we need like music for this like can you hum like something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. vulnerability vulnerability hour so with jerry vulnerable. okay okay so i have bonafide panic disorder, which I have had for some time because I have something called compound post-traumatic stress injury. used to be called compound post-traumatic stress disorder, but now due to something called science, (laughs) they have found that if you have compound post-traumatic stress, it causes a brain injury, right? And um, therefore, I have been, you know, first for many years, I was trying to self-medicate with alcohol because I was so anxious, right? So it seems like a good idea, right? I didn't know. Um, so alcohol, and a lot of people do this. This is what this is why you see alcoholics and drug addicts in the street because they have post traumatic they have 
post-traumatic stress injuries. So I first self-medicated with, with drugs and alcohol. I'm very lucky. I got sober four years ago, almost four years ago. But then, you know, I even, I was a, about a year and a half totally uh, sober, but I had tried to also not take any medication at all for my um, panic attacks because I, I thought that maybe I wouldn't be considered sober if mm -hmm. I took medication, you know, because I, I was very like by the book AA in the beginning. And I was, and I was also afraid to be judged. Like there's a little bit of a cult element to it, you know. And, uh, but I, I did end up having to go back on to meds. And for me personally, uh, medication is just it's a band-aid um and you're talking to somebody who i work out you know very reg with a lot of regularity we'd say what five days a week yeah like four and a half i'd say yeah four and a half. <laughs> um you know i uh you know have a relationship with a higher power with the universe i pray slash meditate every single day i uh have a relationship with animals i have a good relationship with a partner you know i'm i take care of my stuff you know i'm not but that doesn't take take away my panic attacks and that's it, it it's a, that's a thing a lot of times people are like before when I would try to verbalize like what it it's like having panic attacks people be like well what are you what's on your mind what are you thinking about mm -hmm. and I'm like it nothing's on my mind I I could be like walking down the street and it's like somebody just flips a switch and all of a sudden I'm I feel like I'm dying like I'm fully convinced that, that I'm dying mm -hmm. anyway that's what how my post-traumatic stress injury has manifested is that I have panic attacks. And um, I, yeah, I've been on meds for a long time, longer even than before I got sober, I was on meds then too. But um, I have just felt, you know, like I've been on a hamster wheel with it and I have wanted to get off of meds and I didn't know how because there isn't really anything that I knew of that cuts it. And then um, recently <laughs> I came in touch with uh Somebody who is one of Elon Musk's advisors. <laughs> Jesus. This is true. Huh. <laughs> um, and I was talking to them and they said, oh, you know, it's telling them about my issue. And they said, oh, well, do you know about the stellate ganglion block? And I said, no, what, what is that? And they said, oh, I've had it done. And they said, and, and my vagus nerve. And I said, I've, I, 
I don't even know what you're, what are you talking no about? No language like, was asked. I yeah. don't even, I've never heard of this. And the, and so then I, they're like, oh, well, you know, read about it. And I was like, okay. So I go home like immediately and start Googling it, watching every YouTube video about it. And by the way, consult your doctor, folks. I guess I have to say that legally. I'm not telling anyone to do anything. I'm just sharing my experience. Um, so anyways, what this procedure is, it's pretty interesting. They go in. Um, there's certain clinics around the world that do this. And they, a doctor... I went to this place called the How Clinic, which is in San Diego. And then his name is literally How. Dr. How uses ultrasound and he fi- finds your stellate ganglion, which is a cluster of nerves on both sides of your neck. And that is what signals to your brain your fight or flight. Mm. And when you're having a panic attack, you are that's what you're experiencing you're experiencing fight or flight and you're you it's a it's your brain is sending the wrong signal to itself nothing nothing is wrong but you feel like something is very wrong and so um what he what they do is they go in and they temporarily anesthetize that cluster of nerves for six to eight hours and when it comes back together it resets your nervous system and i did it on my i did my vagus nerve on my right side with my stellate ganglion and i did it my stellate ganglion on my left side and um, it was, first of all, the most, it doesn't hurt at all. You're totally awake for it. It was, I ended up sleeping afterwards 18 hours. It was like the most blissful, peaceful sleep I've ever had. No drugs, not non-drug induced sleep ever. And, um, you know, now I'm going through this period of, like my nervous system just totally resetting, but I can feel like I can, I feel differently. So, um, you know, I'm sharing this because if you are a person out there who suffers with panic attacks, panic disorder, and you feel like you're in a hopeless situation where you're going to be on the on meds for the rest of your life or you know whatever this is something to research something to consider something to look into because i did not know and now i'm going to you know in the next couple of weeks i'm work with my other doctor to come off my meds and i'm really looking forward to this this is a big big deal for me to be able to be a person living in this world that you know will you know not have they say like they they do this on soldiers 
they do this on people and it's like one sh it's a one-time shot like and you don't have to come back it's not like oh you know with a psychiatrist you've got to call them once a month and right. keep getting your meds you do this one time and it's over and i just obviously if if you're listening and you're like this doesn't doesn't relate to me at all sorry you had to listen to through that but you know if you suffer from panic attacks or you know somebody who does tell them to google and research this procedure because i i did not know this existed and i cannot believe i didn't know mm -hmm. because i would have done this a long time ago and saved myself that 84 percent risk that i put myself of having dementia now at because being on you know benzodiazepines you know i i would have you know negated that risk a long time ago had i known that a procedure like this existed so what you're trying to say is that you abandoned art smack <laughs> listeners mm -hmm. for a week or so to work on your mental physical health how dare you how <laughs> dare you yeah, I actually did go work on my mental health. How could you? I know. How could I? Who do I think I am? You are Jerry Gagosian. And I'm Mac Paso. And this... This was Art Smack. Oh, you were going to say it with me? One more time. This is... And this was Art Smack. <laughs> Guys, this has been an episode I don't even know. I'm Matt. That's Jerry. We're an independent podcast. We're back. Give us five stars as a as a token. We're gonna be with you guys for the next couple of weeks. It's gonna be on. crazy. It's gonna be crazy. So make sure you tune in. Subscribe to Gagosian.com. Become a premium subscriber. As always, good stuff on the horizon on the platform. Big things coming. Mm -hmm. We won't announce yet, but things are coming. Stay tuned. Read Jerry's article. Oh, and when you're a VIP, you get invited to things like balls. Interesting. That's yeah. an incentive. All right, guys. See you later. See you on the internet. <laughs>